The Lord never lets any experience go to waste in our lives. Every event, every situation is designed to draw us closer to Him and to reveal something about Him to us that we didn't know before that time. And it's a call to decision. Will we move further along the path of Christ or will we choose our own way? And when we choose Him, there are exciting things that He reveals to us and our heart for Him seeks to glorify His name and not our own. That's at the heart of my guest on this episode. And what's more, we're going to see one of the ways the Lord is using art to further the kingdom of God. Howdy, disciples, and welcome to the Creator's Calling podcast. My name is Kurt Matson, and I'm the host of the show, and I have as my guest on this episode, Joseph Fiormonti. Joe is a graphic designer and printmaker whose journey with the Lord is filled with surprises and meaning. Joe is moving forward in a very intentional way in his walk with Jesus, and he encourages us with his thoughtful insights and perspective. You're going to love your time listening to Joe, so let's sit down and visit with Joe. Joe Firamonte, welcome to the Creator's Calling podcast. Thanks so much for having me. You know, I heard about your work while listening to the Naked Bible podcast. I heard the interview you did with Mike Heiser. And it was just so compelling. There's so many wonderful things about what you're doing, about your story, and just how the Lord has moved you uh, into into your profession, into your career, into your art. And also, the, I think it's so wonderful how you're taking your art and then you're also using it in a really unique fashion in terms of ministry as well. It's just, it's such an encouragement when we hear all about that. I can't wait for everybody to hear. Thanks. I, I appreciate it. It's uh yeah, it's been a journey. Yeah, that sounds really good. Let's start here. Let's start with a little bit of personal background, you know, where you live and your, your interests and all of that. And just so we get to know you a little bit and then let's move into the, the first step for any of us. And that's how did you come to know the Lord? Sure. Yeah. So uh, my family and I, we live in St. Augustine, Florida. I teach graphic design. I'm a professor at Flagler College. Um, so me, my wife and our daughter, she's three. We were just really enjoying it here. I grew up in upstate New York, uh, about an hour north of New York City, which was, was kind of cool. Um, a lot of culture. It was easy in and out of the city, but we're still out in nature, which is kind of a unique thing, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, but grew up drawing and painting as, as early as I can remember. Uh, my teachers always just said I was good at this and I always enjoyed it. So I've always been involved in the arts. I, I can't remember a time when I wasn't. Uh, went to Alfred University, fine art. Joke that I went to school to be a starving artist and then lived the dream. <laughs> thought I would, um, <laughs> I thought I would make it big out in California. So I moved to LA and was literally homeless for about a year and uh, ended up going back, getting a teaching license. Taught high school art for a while. And I, I really enjoyed that, but ended up getting my master's in graphic design at SCAD. Um, and that opened up a lot of doors in terms of uh, starting a business and uh, teaching college. 
Uh, I taught in Charleston for a while, kind of ended up homeless again for a little while. College professors, at least adjuncts, don't make very much. So uh -huh. um, roughed it for a long time, but uh, met my wife. We got married and uh, ended up teaching at the University of Baltimore, graphic design. And that's when things really started to come together and ended up here ultimately in Flagler and still running the graphic design business, uh, still teaching at the college level. And um, yeah, had you know, the the fine art stuff, the printmaking stuff that I do is really a way to get off the computer, you know, spend time uh, in quiet. And uh, that's, that's the short version. Wow. How, now, how many years, uh, you really have a whole lot, you know, packed into there. So how many years were you out in California? And how, what was that all about in terms of, you know, how did that all come about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so... very curious about that. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a fiasco. Um, I graduated from art school in 2002, in that spring. Um, I was just going through some silly stuff at, uh, you know, being young and single and decided I needed to change after graduation. This was right after 9-11 as well, so the job oh, yeah. market wasn't exactly hopping, especially for artists. And, and um, yeah, ended up ended up out there. I was supposed to stay with a friend, and um, unfortunately that, you know, it just the culture out there, there were some issues that I, I couldn't deal with and mm. living in my car for a while. So, um, you know, God carried me through it. I certainly wouldn't want to do it again, but I am grateful for that experience and certainly learned a lot uh, about myself during that time. So, you know, no, that, positive. that, you know, it's so interesting. <laughs> I love your expression. <laughs> you trained to be a starving artist and then yeah. live the dream. <laughs> I did. <laughs> well, you know, there's so many of us. We could, boy, I tell you, we can sure relate to it. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, but it's so wonderful. You say you would, you know, that the Lord carried you through that. And there's so many things how the Lord just uh, grows us in our faith in Him and mm -hmm. in our walk with Him. When you have times like that, when you do things like that, you know, you kind of get going. So, um, yeah, that's... it's 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 a good reminder too. And it, you know, it's not something I think about often, but it comes up from time to time and. You know, there were people in my life at that time that I, I remember praying for daily and, and that I lost touch with for whatever reason um, that, you know, it's, it's a party scene in L.A. and an artist scene in L.A. It's it, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, some of those people have I've reestablished contact with and they've come to the Lord and, and people, are, you know, not, never dream in a million years. And that is just such an incredible encouragement that God hears prayers and does answer whether you know it or not. Oh man, yeah, that's I love that story. He does; he sure moves, and it's you know nobody's outside of his reach, huh? Right, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Now, tell us, how did you come to know the Lord? Yeah, I, I've been asked that a few times in my you know plenty of times in my life, and I, I don't have a, a dramatic kind of conversion story. I was raised Catholic, uh, but you know faith was always important in my family, and you know, we took it seriously from, you know, I took it seriously from a young age. Um, you know, if I had to put a, put a date on it, so to speak, like an event, I remember being really young. It's one of my earliest memories and asking my mom, why, why can't I see God? And I was probably maybe three years old. And um, she said, you know, if you, if you pray really hard, you can't, you might not see him, but you can feel him. And that's just something that stands out in my memory. I prayed really hard that day. And I think a little older, slightly older, I was really into dinosaurs like most little boys are and you know, mm -hmm. starting to rationalize things, you know, still very much from a childish perspective. And it was like, you know, we have all this archaeology. Why don't why don't they just dig up Jesus's grave and prove that he was real? And 
she explained to me because he's not there he rose from the dead and i knew that but it like that was a moment that just stands out again in my mind where it kind of clicked oh but yeah it just it was just like oh that's right he isn't dead he's alive um but you know i was so young it's hard to it, for me personally it's it's hard to even imagine a time where i didn't feel like christ was right there with me no matter what was going on even you know my wandering days in college like i, I never felt like he was out of reach or far off or not present so it's, mm. it's hard to answer that one mm -hmm. but that's great you know it's because there, there's a lot of people that have, have similar uh stories because you you start off and you and you when you're raised uh in a family that acknowledges christ and mm -hmm. that start you know, wants to follow and you just don't know and like but i love how you prayed really hard. I love the whole, you know, it's a kind of a step-by-step -step process to come to the realization. Mm -hmm. And then of course about the resurrection and like, Oh, you know, and then how that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I don't know if that's, that's the moment, so to speak. Right. But, you know, if, if there was one moment, you know, an instant that that would have been it. I have to, I have to believe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as you've grown, you know, as you've walked since that time, have there been, um, events where that have really been uh critical to your maturing how has the lord matured you over time and a couple of things that maybe he really showed you something you just didn't know before it was like wow i could yeah I, really... uh, I mean always really um i was i was raised catholic i had a, a my dad was one of 12 so big you know catholic family mm -hmm. and uh the oldest of the brothers, uh, my uncle Andy just passed away a couple of weeks ago, actually, but he, he was my sponsor when I went through confirmation as a Catholic and he had become a born again, Christian, you know, left Catholicism officially. So it was a lot of drama at the time, but he, um, he agreed to be my sponsor and he said, Hey, you know, have you ever actually read the Bible? And I'm 13, 14, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I was like, oh, I mean, big chunks of it probably I, I did take it very seriously but I, I he gave me a study bible and i you know over the course of a year or so i'd read the whole thing cover to cover and you know that i don't want to go off on a tangent about theological points of difference with catholicism but i made the rounds for a long time in college i started going to a non-denominational church and learned a lot of great stuff stuff there mm -hmm. um i got baptized when i was 25 i had a jamaican co-worker who was Pentecostal. And he's like, you got to be baptized. And, and Adam in about full submersion. I'm like, okay, David, if that's, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's necessary for salvation, but you're right. I should be baptized the proper way. So got baptized in a black Pentecostal church and it was four hours of hooting and hollering and slain in the spirit. <laughs> and um, I think I got shunned from a Presbyterian church for not being Calvinist enough. Oh my. So, you know, I've made the rounds um, and I've learned a lot from each of those experiences and actually are attending a Catholic church again, um, kind of because of, of art and some of the stuff we'll probably talk about. Um, but yeah, it, it just I've grown through all of those experiences, the highs, the lows, all of it. That's so interesting that you, you know, it, like you said, I think it's so interesting that you've you've been through those experienced a lot of these different uh, mm -hmm. components, and you know all of that is is no doubt shaped you and your faith up until this point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every experience I feel like God's teaching me something. Um, I think Heiser's work has been really important. I, I used to be a big Chuck Missler fan. I, I still am, but Chuck has since passed. I'm sure a lot mm -hmm. of your audience is probably familiar with his work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Got got to know Mike 
through, well, I was introduced to his work ages ago. Uh, he didn't really have much of an online presence. And um, that being part of my skill set, I've worked with him on some branding stuff and his website. And we continue, my company continues to maintain it for him. And um, his work has really stretched me. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's hard. His, if any, if at any point in my life I've had a crisis of faith, it's because of my Kaiser's work, <laughs> ironically. Um, just because he is so intellectually honest and, and brutally so that, you know, I, I think for a long time, I, I, as an evangelical, I felt like I had all the answers and I realized there's a lot of valid different perspectives and I could be wrong about a lot of things that I never doubted in my life. And, and that was really hard. Um, but yeah, I feel, I feel like I'm on the other side of it now and better for it. We're never going to know everything. That's for sure. Yeah. And that's, I, but I'm with you. It's like, I like to have everything all just, you know, square yeah. way too. Uh, but there's a depth that comes with being able to process things mm -hmm. and uh, really let the Lord minister to you and all that. So, well, that's really, that's really wonderful. Now tell us this, Joe, you've got a lot of things going on here. You, you gave us kind of an overview of your, uh, your path in terms of getting to where you are now, I didn't realize you were teaching and all the rest of it, you know, as you just, I, you know, good grief. You've got a lot of irons in the fire. Yeah. Um, Keeps me out of trouble. <laughs> it does. Yeah. I'll bet you're not in trouble, but <laughs> <laughs> now how did the Lord move you when you talk, uh, you know, move you into the teaching and then you get into, you have a graphic, your graphic design and all the rest. And then also tell us about, Anno Domini and how that came about and what that is. Sure. Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned, I've, I've always been interested in the arts. God has this thing with me. He likes to take whatever I say I really don't want to do and make it the love of my life over the course of 10 years. Uh -huh. um, uh -huh. So when I, when I went to Alfred and studied art, I, you know, I was, I had to, decide do i want to be an artist designer teacher you know there's there's only so many paths an artist can go and make money mm -hmm. and i decided to go the fine art route i didn't want to make people and i didn't want to make clean art uh make people meaning teaching you know just some of the oh, conversations oh. i had with with you know classmates at the time mm -hmm. and um you know over time I, I actually discovered i really had a gift for teaching and uh, and a love for it and ended up doing it as, as, you know, part of my life's work. And then, you know, the graphic design stuff, I guess I, I did a lot of music production as well back then. Oh, and, um, you know, I, I had to make stuff like album covers and posters to promote stuff, you know, in my early twenties when I thought I was going to be a rock star or something silly like that. And I taught myself all the software and I, I actually, I really enjoyed doing that stuff. And when I was looking at grad school, because in New York, when you have a teacher's license, you have to you have five years to get a master's. And I was looking at a lot of my colleagues and they were doing an online program to check the boxes for the state requirement. And I was single, you know, at a school kind of in the middle of nowhere. I enjoyed it a lot, but I, you know, was not the right place for me to settle down, especially at that age. And so I looked at SCAD, the Savannah College of Art and Design, and went back for graphic design and it just all of these things kind of clicked together and really came together after after SCAD. Um, and now I, I run my company is called Dark Square, and we do mostly brand consulting and a lot a lot of web projects for for technology companies, which I find really fascinating. Um, 
and I teach the history of graphic design alongside of it. So I'm, I'm kind of teaching the history of technology and participating in the current history of technology in some small way. And um, it's just a really interesting perspective and it gives me a lot of opportunities to do things like help with Mike Kaiser's website or, or John Leffler, who is uh, Chuck Missler's you know, counterpart there for the longest time and get to know some of these people and work with them and help their ministries. Mm -hmm. And, um, and a Domini really stemmed out of a, a, that history of design class and just a, a need to get off the computer, especially, you know, five years ago, really kind of working my butt off to, to make it and get this company up and running. I would, I'd be on the computer 80 hours a week, easy, sometimes more. Wow. And if I could find a moment to just get my, uh, do intaglio, uh, copper plate engraving. And if, you know, sometimes that, you know, especially when I was starting out, I'd jump the blade and cut myself and I'm just like, I'm still alive. There's still <laughs> blood coming out. <laughs> and it, you know, there's, there's, you know, it hurts, but there's a, there's a joy in some of that pain and, and, and in the smell of the ink and the, and the mechanical product, it's slow. That's part of what I love about the printmaking process compared to the digital stuff that I do day in and day out. It's, it's just very, very slow and it's a good exercise in patience because when you're cutting a copper plate, you know, you, there is no control Z. You can't undo it. it. You have to really think about that mark and you're going to have to live with it if it's not exactly what you want. And, mm -hmm. and it was therapy for me. And that's, and that's kind of where it came from. Um, you know, it wasn't a money-making endeavor, but I knew that, if I was going to be successful, I would have to get prints out there some way and, and probably sell them. And it, I just decided that I wanted to make it a, a charitable thing because I was already being blessed just by doing it. I, you know, it wasn't a financial thing for me. And mm -hmm. with, with my fine art, my, my whole life, it, I have a hard time making art about anything other than, than, God, I just, I, I don't even, I don't have any other, I mean, I have a lot of other interests. I really do. But like when I'm making, like, I just, I don't have anything else that I really want to create for or about. And so it, for me, I, I don't have a problem with people selling artwork and, and making money subject matter. But for me, it was something I really just wanted it to be um, something that went back to the church in some way, because it was already just such a blessing to be able to do it and to be where I was. So, Wow. Now explain to everybody what the, how that, what you've got going on in terms of that, uh, what the, how, where the sales go, that kind of a thing. So they get a grasp of, of uh, just what's, what, what your ministry is in turn in that uh, right there. Yeah, absolutely. So anodomini com. Um, right now it's just me. It's been just me from the beginning. Um, I would love to get other, you know, print artists specifically involved, but I do, um, copper plate engraving, uh, some kind of non-traditional printmaking mixed with traditional methods. And I can explain that a little bit, but, um, they're, you know, they're prints of, of things like the four gospels. Um, there's some Mary, prints for for christmas time and things like that so the, you know, the subject matter is all symbolism from the bible and from christian medieval art just things that i enjoy it's, it's definitely got a lot of the catholic flavor that i grew up in mm -hmm. um and that any any of those sales um on the website it says it's a, a rule of thirds kind of um 
distribution where a third goes to help the persecuted church, a third goes to operations, and then a third goes to the artist, which right now is just me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have uh, a friend, Rick, who he really helps uh, distribute and make sure everything gets mailed out and handles shipping and stuff like that. And he's fantastic. Uh, he's a friend of Mike's as well. And, um, you know, a third, honestly, I don't have, I think yet to keep my third. I usually just put it in with the persecuted church piece of it. Um, just, just because again, I I feel like I'm really blessed and, you know, I'm just happy to be able to have time to do it once in a while. It's, it's, that's enough, but that, that right now, uh, actually for years now, I've been working, you know, I keep in touch with John Leffler and him and his wife, Carol do quite a bit to help the persecuted church specifically mm. in Pakistan. And um, we've been able to just kind of, I've been able to just, you know, support them financially. Wow. You know what, what is so wonderful about that? You know, it's, there, it's such a struggle for a lot of us to, to really see how our art can be really impactful uh, for the kingdom mm-hmm. and, you know, how, how it can be real ministry. And, you know, we talk about it a lot on the podcast. Uh, there's so many different ways that that can take place. And the, what you've done, I think, is just so, it's very unique how the, the Lord put that on your heart and what you're doing, especially in terms of uh, hitting, uh, putting that money in towards the persecuted church. But it's a great, you know, if nothing else, it's something that the Holy Spirit can use for other people too when they hear about it, because it's such a, it's a wonderful uh, way of going about ministry. Uh, and who knows what else the Lord can do through artists and what they do as we go, you know, as they go, people go along in their career. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, it, it's really interesting. Now, tell us a little bit about uh, the process for those that don't know about intaglio printing and how you go about doing all of this. Yeah, so, I mean, my first love as far as printmaking goes is intaglio um, and copper plate engraving. So there's a... You, get a big copper plate, heavy gauge, uh, you know, a thick piece of metal. And there's a tool called a burin, which is kind of a long diamond shaped tool with a, with a wooden kind of palm piece. And you slowly kind of just push the burin through the, the surface of the metal and and a little barb will pop up and you just slowly cut out your image. And, uh, once you're done cutting, which can take, you know, hundreds of hours, depending on the size of the piece and the complexity of it, um, you will ink the plate, you coat the entire thing with ink, and then you clean it with cheesecloth because it is an absorbent. And what it does is leave ink in the the crevices that you've carved in it. And you take that plate and a piece of wet printmaking paper, and you run it through uh, an Integlio press, a, a big cylinder, big metal cylinder, uh, and thousands of pounds of pressure, and you crank it through, and that ink gets sucked out into the paper, leaving impression. And it's one of the oldest forms of printing. That's what interested me interested me about it when I was starting. Um, it's one of the first forms of mass communication, especially here in the West. The, the East had printing long before we did, uh, but Gutenberg invented type in, in the late 1400s, 1500s, depending on who you're you're asking. Uh, and this form of Integlio printing came about right around the same time, debatable again, when exactly before or after. 
but it, it just fascinated me. There's there's etching, copper plate etching, which is a little different. I haven't done that yet, but you coat the plate with a material and then you scratch off where you want your marks to be made and then you, you give it an acid bath and it eats away everywhere that you've scraped away the material. Um, so little nuance there, um, but mm -hmm. yeah, I, I do engraving. It's the slightly older technique. And then I also really enjoy woodblock, which is a little, a little less fine detail. And that's the majority of the stuff on the site. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll merge that with, you know, modern technology that I use for, for work, for, for my design work. And I'll, I'll make those images in something like Adobe Illustrator and get them just painstakingly perfect on the computer and use a laser cutter to do the engraving part of it. Um, takes a little bit of the joy of, of cutting it out, but there, there's things I can do with the machine that other people are probably talented enough to do and do really well, but I will never have the time to get there, at least not until I retire maybe one day. So mm -hmm. I don't feel bad about cheating a little bit and using modern technology in concert with traditional printmaking. So I still mm -hmm. run it through the press to get that tactile kind of impression that real printmaking gives you. But, but yeah, that's, that's what I do. Isn't that interesting? I have never, you know, that's, I know a little bit, I know about dry points because I do dry points, mm -hmm. okay. but what you're talking about, this, this, they're just so wonderful. And the, I'll tell you, you have such a nice style in terms of it's, it, you've got a real flair and it does, it shows all of the liturgical components from your background, which is really wonderful uh, how, how you combine all of that to get the message across. And it's a very gospel centered message. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's where the process really starts is, you know, just being, just knowing the Bible and, and finding some weird thing that I, I don't know, like, I'm just fascinated by the tetramorph, by the four beasts, the, mm -hmm. the lion, the ox, the eagle, and the man. And there's a long, rich history, uh, Christian history about assigning those symbols to the gospels and, and, they've been shuffled depending on the denomination or even by the early church father who was interpreting them. Um, I actually take a really late perspective, uh, like a 19th century perspective on who belongs where. Um, but, you know, finding that thing that nobody really knows a whole lot about, or maybe it's a little abstract or, or really vague or mystical, you know, those, those kinds of topics I think are really great places for artists to just imagine, you know, what, maybe that looks like or means. Mm -hmm. um, and it turns into a little, little bit of a Bible study for me. Um, so the, my fourth, my, my favorites in the series for the Anadomini stuff are the, the, the Tetramorph, the four gospels with those four symbols. And then for each gospel, I, I went through and found every mention of Jesus Christ in each of the four gospels um, and the different names that he has, King of Kings or, shepherd or whatever and i have them listed sequentially underneath so there's this typographic component that makes for a nice texture and, and just a nice composition um but yeah that's that's kind of how i come to my ideas and and what i want to explore and it's it's just really enjoyable well you know what i love about what you said there is that 
as these there's so many things in that area that people don't know and the mm-hmm. church you know they don't get taught the bible now i grew up of course you know yeah. verse by verse through the bible that's right. you know but not everybody has that and mm-hmm. with what you're doing that's a way to get people to see something that perhaps they've never seen before about jesus never seen before about in scripture and mm-hmm. to to give them a little added depth and i think that is just fantastic how you've done that and that's and that's been like the most uplifting feedback that I get from people is that I'll I'll get a note occasionally that you know they love the artwork but that it just gets so many conversations going that somebody will just visit their home who might not necessarily be Christian and ask hey what's this mm-hmm. and there's something of some depth to talk about there it's not just you know a, a pretty picture with a nice quote or something like there's there's something that they can kind of dig into a little bit and engage with the person about mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And that is, that's, it's a great uh, aspect of the art that you're making and, you know, part of the ministry that you have there. Let me ask you this. What are some, for you, important spiritual disciplines that you find edifying in your, for yourself as an artist? Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a tough question. I think, I don't, I don't know if this qualifies as a spiritual discipline or not, but I, I just love to read. Um, when I went away to college, I decided to pull the plug on my television. I've never really looked back, and that was a long time ago now. And I, I just I read a tremendous amount of nonfiction. Uh, a lot of it is, is you know, faith-based stuff. A lot of it's kind of industry stuff for what I do. But making time to read and just having, you know, just – interesting things like the tetramorph or, or maybe, a, a, you know, a progression of technology like printing and the importance that it's played in, in spreading the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just these kinds of complex things to think about and, and maybe make work around or, or explore themes has been a really important discipline for me. Um, journaling is another one that it's, mm. it's really important to me. And it's one that I, I never, place as much importance on as I should. Um, I, it's not one that I really enjoy doing and I, I have to force myself to do it and I don't do it as often as I should. But when I stumble upon those journals years later and I read what I was going through or what God was showing me at the time, uh, that those are the most intimate moments with God to just see how he's been there. Um, so that, that's been really powerful and, you know, just having this conversation, I need to, I need to do that more often. But to me, that's, that's some of the closest moments I've felt with God, just, you know, cause you go through it and you're on the other side and you, you know, you, you're still looking forward, but to look back on what I was thinking and feeling and, and going through is, has been really powerful. And then, you know, just daily prayer and meditation in the morning, um, and, and, you know, be still and know that he is God, I think is, is really, really important. And that's so, that can be so hard to do. You know, you, you're a guy that's got a lot of things going on. And yeah. it, what's exciting is that you're putting this as a priority uh, every day. And that's, that is trying to, trying to, I don't give me too much credit. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, we all, you know, we all struggle with it. That's for yeah. sure. But it's, you know, you, you it's, uh, it is, it's something that's at the forefront of your mind. And that is, Really wonderful. And I love that you brought up journaling, that you can look back and remember and see 
what the Lord's done. You you have that reconnection about, well, boy, his hand was really moving here, which I'm sure builds your faith to move to moving forward when the next challenge comes up. Yeah, it, it, it honestly is. I can get a little emotional just thinking about it, like just some of the most um, encouraging experiences I, I've ever had just just to just to see like you know what he was talking about what he said he was going to do and, and to see how he's he's been faithful as you've come through you walked through all of these things has there been uh, particular ways that the Lord has guided you uh, into your ministry with uh, Anno Domini with uh, going into your business the teaching all of those things uh, is there some particular things the Lord showed you to guide you as you walked through the, you know, made decisions ultimately? Not, not a whole lot. Um, there, there was a couple moments where I, I've been at a crossroad. I think when I was teaching high school, uh, I really wasn't sure what to do next. It was the first time in my life I had a, like a real job that paid a living wage and, but I knew I, I couldn't stay there. And I'm, I can be, I, I try not to let people know how dramatic I can be. I think <laughs> artists have a flair for the dramatic, but mm-hmm. I decided to fast for three days. And I think I was reading Chronicles or something at the time and saw enough passages about sackcloth that I made a shirt out of burlap and wore sackcloth under my clothes and nobody knew it. And it's the first time I probably ever talked about it, but fasted very, very hard and very seriously and, and felt like, things really came together for, for where God wanted me to go. And it quickly became clear that SCAD was, was in the cards and, and I should pursue that. And I mm-hmm. kind of went all in on that and ended up there. But other than that, I think a lot of the time, and I, again, this, I think, I think Mike would kind of echo this a little bit too. And he's helped me realize this, that most of the time God isn't telling us the future. It's, it's only in hindsight that you really see where the pieces kind of all fit together and so again, back to the journaling, it's, it's really kind of been reflecting um, that I see how he's guided me and, and where he's led me, how how I met my wife, how I ended up in this career that I, you know, I remember so distinctly saying I didn't want to do either of these things as a career. <laughs> That's great. Well, and I love, you know, your story there with the sackcloth. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous. It's just over the top. But I mean. And like I said, I, I don't think I've ever told anybody that. I might have told my wife, and she rolled her eyes and said, "You're ridiculous." Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, all I know is I love hearing it, and because it comes from a heart that just wants to hear from the Lord, and the Lord was faithful to you. I think that's fantastic. Um, it, it, you know, we each are going to go about it, things with the Lord in, in a little, slightly different ways. So I love that you shared that story. I just think that's great. And I love hearing about the faithfulness of the Lord uh, in the midst of all of that. So that's really super. I've never shared it before. I, I don't know if I regret it or not yet. Time will tell. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing I can tell you, I know somebody's going to get ministered to by it. Because, you know, we've all had that struggle. And, and, and just to clarify, I'm not recommending anybody does that. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, you know, I was just getting down some sackcloth as you were talking. <laughs> That's great. Well, and that it's all of those experiences, and to hear what the how the Lord is faithful when we are we're just doing our best and trying to follow Him step by step. 
I love hearing how all these things happen. And, you know, people need to know that people go through these things and we all struggle with it. And this is one way that he worked and it's great. So I'm, uh, I'm really stoked about that. That's just fantastic. As you've gone along through your career, you know, discouragement hits all of us at one point or another. What are some of the ways you've handled discouragement? What's the Lord shown you through those times? Um, poorly, I, I would say. Um, <laughs> well, you know what? I'm right there with you. I can understand. <laughs> As we've established, I can quietly, in <laughs> without telling anybody, have a flair for the dramatic. Um, uh, I, I'm really, my wife is, is so rock solid, such a, just a amazingly grounded person. And uh, she going to my Catholic roots here might be up for canonization, but she's, she's fantastic at understanding that about me and not indulging it. Mm -hmm. Um, She'll, you know, she never sets me straight or anything like that, but she quietly without me even knowing is uh, for lack of a better word, ministering to, to my needs when they come up by just nudging me to, take a break, go on a vacation, spend a time, whatever it is. She, she just is very attuned to those things and is able to just in such a quiet, gentle way without making a big deal about it, kind of say what I need to hear or just be there, whatever it is. So she's, she's been a fantastic support. I'm mm. beyond blessed. Um, prior to being married, I don't, I'm just poorly over emotional, dramatic. I don't know. Not, not well, <laughs> <laughs> probably why I was homeless twice. Yeah. <laughs> Good grief. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I, I tell you, that's so interesting because we've all had those moments, uh, you know, of of really struggling with all of these things. And yeah. I, it's really hard sometimes to deal with, uh, with the discouragement. It's, it is such a, it can just really get you down. And yeah. I love how your wife is the encourager because boy, every artist needs somebody, uh, spouse, you know, other brothers and sisters in Christ who, you know, to come alongside you and boy, just kind of, help you out, help you keep going that, you know, the Lord brings those people into your lives and it's really yeah. important stuff. That's for sure. And, and certainly with age, you know, taking myself a lot less seriously than I did in my twenties or whatnot. I think, mm-hmm. you know, just growing up too is a big part of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's the truth. Now, when you look at, you know, we look at the at the world of the arts, and this is true with whether it's fine art, it, we, we talked about your graphic design, all of these different components of the art world. It, you know, it's very influential. And you know that probably better than a lot of us because you're, you're working in, in the field that you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, why is it that it's important for Christians to be engaged in the world of the arts? Um, yeah, it's... I think it's a real deficit um, in Christian culture. Uh, it's because art is culture. I think it, edu- it communicates and educates on a much deeper level than anything else. Um, mm. it's, it's, where do I start? I mean, we could talk for five hours about that. Um, I don't think this is just broadly speaking about people in general, but also within the church. I don't think we we spend enough time thinking about the things that we like and why we like them. And this is art, oh. music, film. If something resonates with you, there is a, a, a value correlation 
that you are responding positively to. It's not enough to say, oh, I just like that piece of art. I like this modern building or whatever it is. What's going on on a heart level is that you like the simplicity, the cleanliness of it, the sterility of it. You like the secularism of it in some, in some regards. Um, these are values um, that the art is expressing that you are responding positively to. And that's not a bad thing. Um, I, I used, I still do. I, I like really kind of dark synth music, um, you know, I, which was a problem for me when I was younger because, it, you know, it, I've kind of grown out of it, but, you know, some of that, some of that music in the nineties was really, really evil. And I loved it. I just loved it. And I started to think, well, why? And it turns out there's a whole area of, uh, academic discipline of semiotics that kind of explores these questions that I think is really, really important for graphic designers. A lot of graphic designers study semiotics and I do. Um, but yeah, I think my, my daughter is three years old. Like she will be learning about media theory and semiotics before she's 10, um, partly to inoculate her a bit from the mass media culture that we live in right now. So she mm. at the very least understands like if she's responding positively to whatever, a movie, a, a song or whatever, that she's able to understand what's going on and, and at least make a better decision or an informed decision rather than just be led by emotions that marketers and advertisers and social media specialists are, are spending millions of dollars and millions of man hours to, to get the desired behavior out of the general public. Wow. What? Now, because, you know, here again, you know, I'm just a horse trainer. Um, what is symbiotics? Define that for us. And what was uh, the other term you used? Uh, probably semiotics. Uh, semiotics is the study semiotics. of signs. Um, it's it's primarily a linguistics uh, discipline, but it's been important in the arts and studied in the arts. It's been studied in in graphic design specifically. Um, yeah, it's it's the study of signs and meaning. Uh, and and very often how that kind of affects people, uh, and you know not a lot of not any that I can think of Christian theorists in that discipline, um, but it, it's it's a really powerful thing to know about and understand. And uh, I, I started thinking about these things when I was fairly young, just because I could I was able to recognize that I liked a lot of things that were incongruent with the Christian values that I. Uh, claim to really espouse and and you know it took a long time to kind of understand that and to be able to deconstruct that a little bit wow that's so interesting and i love that you're already looking to your daughter and saying you know she needs to know these things yeah. for the reasons that you said we're being able to make the right decisions and not be coerced by uh by some of this because boy are, it, now more than ever we're, we're just inundated with it yeah, people don't realize you, you literally see more images in a matter of minutes than most human beings have seen in dozens of lifetimes. You just scroll on your phone and we are bombarded. Um, one, of the, one of my favorite theorists is, um, is a philosopher by the name of Baldriard, Jean Baldriard, uh, not a Christian in any way, shape or form, but he wrote a lot about semiotics. Um, and yeah, he really makes the case that we are some of the simulation theory that's that's popular on YouTube and things like that stem from his work. Uh, the Matrix is kind of a, a derivative of his philosophical work that we're all living in this simulation. But it, I mean, he makes a great point. We we do our our knowledge of the world and our existence 
the things that we have in our head come more from media than from experience. And that's, you know, that's, that's something I think that we as Christians, we have to be more aware of and, and um, a little more discerning in, in what we passively consume, that things that seem really harmless might not be. And not that, to avoid those things, but to, to be aware of what's, how, the, how they influence people. That's, oh, that's so good. And you're so right. Uh, and, you know, this, this uh, phrase you're using, uh, simulation theory, uh, mm-hmm. explain that to me a little bit. That's something, again, I'm absolutely ignorant about. Oh, it gets, it gets wacky. There, you know, there's people on Joe Rogan's podcast and things like that will talk about that we actually are just a simulation. This isn't real, oh. you know, that we're just a computer program. It's, you know, it, it gets really wacky, but it, it started more with Baldriard, at least from my limited understanding. Mm-hmm. There might have been somebody before him, but that the simulation is the mass media culture that we live in, that we all are able to curate our lives we like the books that we read the television that we watch and that your reality and somebody else's reality can be worlds apart and they're both perfectly valid and validatable because you can just find piles of media to substantiate all of your beliefs and so can that wow. person. so it's pretty heady stuff but it, you know I, I think it's important um especially for for artists to understand that you know the things we craft there's lots of levels of meaning I, I try to be really thoughtful about that with what i make um not you know for clients and stuff but with my art too that you know i mentioned it has a real catholic flavor to it mm-hmm. um and it, it absolutely does i we were going to a, a non-denominational church uh when we first moved to saint augustine and I, and we liked a lot lots of rock music and but it was something that was like, this is not where we want to bring our daughter. And it's not because the people weren't saved or weren't good or the theology was bad, but it was, was more the, the culture was reflecting, you know, rock music culture with which the core value proposition of rock and roll is rebellion. Yeah. And that has to be contextualized. I think there's places for those emotions and those feelings in the Christian life that are not wrong, that they're not evil, but it has to be really thoughtfully kind of curated and, and contextualized to be understood properly and not become a problem. And you know, I can, I can have a, a uh, intellectual conversation with my daughter about theological points of difference and satirology in the Catholic church. You know, we can talk about salvation by faith alone and these things, and, and we can sit down and talk about that. But what I, can't undo is her growing up modeling you know t-shirts and hairstyles that just scream look at me look at me look at me and i don't want to i don't want to disparage anybody who goes to a church like that i I think they're important they have their place and they're important for you know this generation and this culture but we want to raise our daughter in a way where the focus for her childhood especially is on the altar and the solemnity of focusing on that time of God. And I think Catholics do that really well. I think they do family really well. And, and those to me are really things that are media related. It's the modeling, it's the ritual. Uh, brand gurus talk about ritual all the time and, and Catholics are doing it really well and, and getting certain things right for a long time. Um, so that's, that's why we're kind of back there. That's really interesting. You are being very thoughtful. 
and intentional with these decisions that you're making. Uh, you know, the Lord's just, he's, he's given you a lot of insight. I know on some of these things you've brought up that I know about, I mean, there's a vagueness to it, but in terms of being mm-hmm. to really uh, dive into it and to have you come along and say, well, these are, this is what it's called and this is kind of what it does. That adds a depth, a layer of depth to it to be able to really process that and process it biblically. That's the, mm-hmm. so much of this is being able, when you say, when you talk about this simulation theory, it's like, my goodness, that could be a, uh, you talk about something that can just completely confuse your life. Mm-hmm. Boy, that could do it. Uh, so that's all very powerful stuff to be aware of. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important. I think, like I said, very, it's because of my, my graphic design background, my academic background, um, that I'm, I've been really just deep in this stuff for a long time. Um, and you know, in hindsight, I think God prepared me for it. Um, you know, I've made several runs through the Bible and, and grew up listening to Missler and now reading Heiser. And I think he prepared me for, you know, just looking at more secular theories about, about our experience here in this world, especially this day and age. And I don't know, that's something I might down the road explore more. Um, but it's going to start with my daughter really minister to her. Mm. So she grows up aware of these things. Um, hopefully like I said a little inoculated from them more than just, you're not allowed to watch this or that because it's, it's not good, but all your friends are, um, mm-hmm. I want mm-hmm. her to understand yeah, understand. Really have a, a real understanding of it. That's that's fantastic. You know, as we talk about your work now, we'll kind of shift gears a little bit. Sure. Um, we'll kind of actually we're kind of going back to where we were, I suppose. Um, how do you you, know, you you talked about how you kind of you, with the things that interest you and in that in terms of composition, are there certain mm-hmm. things you like to do? Uh, as I look at your work, you've got that's one of the things that. It is uh, extremely strongly composed. Mm-hmm. What are some of the principles that you like to see and how you work that gives that strong composition? Yeah, it really, it comes from my design training. Uh, composition, so much of what I have to do as a graphic designer, um, you know, really appreciating and understanding how to use negative space to create focus, how to have a strong dominant subject and, and supporting patterns and elements, text, um, typography is nerd out on that for a while and talk about <laughs> type because it's a little microcosm of culture and history right there and it has so much value wrapped up in just which typeface you choose. Um, but yeah, the, the compositions, you know, I'm thinking about those four gospel prints again are designed to look very strong and heavy on the page. They have certainly a, a Catholic look and feel to them, but also a little bit of an early industrial flair to it as well. Um, I, I love technology. I'm fascinated by it. And I, I mean, historical as well as new technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of leveraging the the printing technique and knowing what you can do in terms of detail at, at different sizes. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of consideration that goes into all of it. I love all this because, you know, you're talking about things that for a guy like me, it's, that's all just, it's real insightful because I don't have any of that training and just to listen to you. It's like you said, you can go the, the whole idea of the type of type that you choose and how, how impactful that is in terms of, uh, of designing something. That's really interesting because I would never have thought about that. 
Type is so important. It's um, it's one of those things that only a few of us design nerds even know about. You know, at the, le the level I, I would like everybody to. But yeah, just when typefaces, I mean, there have there have been, you know, kings and dictators throughout history who would would kill you for using the wrong typeface <laughs> from Charlemagne <laughs> to Hitler, um, quite literally. Um, type is extremely important. It just has so much value that it expresses wrapped up in it for for those pieces i use what's called an old style typeface um yeah, the the font is called caslone but it's an enlightenment designer uh, a dutch designer who was one of the few people sanctioned by the by the british government to make type they had a, a pretty hefty control on type because it's, it's the ability to communicate it i mean it's the ability to create propaganda and so they oh. would tightly regulate the press and even things like making typefaces. But Benjamin Franklin loved it because it has all of these enlightenment things about it. It has evidence of the hand of the artist. It looks like it's made with a pen, but it's also optimized scientifically for readability. So, you know, some empiricism in there and um, it's just a wonderful typeface. And you get into later modern stuff, you get into these very minimal forms and this form follows function um, kind of very secular thought, uh, Neoplatonist thought about ideal forms and no decoration, no evidence of the artist at all. It's purely mechanical. So there's a lot there. There's a lot with typography. Oh, that's so interesting. I would never have thought about any of that. So I'm so glad you explained that. Uh, that's really interesting stuff. Yeah, I, I could nerd out for hours on type. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm just glad you did what you said, what you said. I think, you know, you know, what it'll do is it's going to cause us to be more aware. We'll be looking at things to see some of these, these little uh, things you're talking about. I think that's fascinating stuff. That's great. Now is, you know, we're getting ready to kind of, you know, wind her up here. We've, we've covered a lot of great, a lot of ground. I mean, it's really been fantastic. Is there a particular passage of scripture that's been ministering to you recently? Not a not like a specific verse that I'm carrying around with me or anything like that. It's it's been quite a while since I've just sat down and more casually read the gospels. And mm. so I'm I'm doing that now and um and trying not to make a, a word study out of it or anything like that. I'm just trying to sit down and read through all four gospels. And that's been really um, you know, it's always challenging to read the Bible. Um but it's been great too. And it's just been nice to read what Jesus said. I, I, I know the whole book is inspired, but for better, for worse, I think just reading what Jesus is quoted as saying is, is very powerful. And um, just reading about also just having a lot more of Heiser's work and some other scholars work under my belt now to have a, a new and kind of fresh, different perspective, get a little more out of it than maybe not did in the past, maybe, change my perspective on a few things. Um, it's, it's been, it's been really wonderful. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, you can, you know, the Lord just ministered to you so much and you know, you get more and more insight into Jesus as you read these mm -hmm. things. So and like you said, with everything else you're to come alongside of it, you just keep growing. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Now, now is there somebody from history that you would love to have had as a mentor in your faith and in your art? That's such a tough question. Um, I'm really fortunate to to have John Leffler as a friend. He's been a, a great mentor. 
Um, it's been just amazing to get to know Mike and his family and have him as a mentor. Um, historical figures, I would, if I, you know, other than Jesus, who is a mentor, but, you know, yes. if I could go back in time, obviously, that's the first place I would go. And I would just fully expect that he could speak English if I got there. Um, <laughs> I'm right there with you. I, I, Dietrich Bonhoeffer has always been really an inspiring person to me. Oh, yeah. For a number of reasons. I mean, obviously, his his faith and his service are just, um, you know, unparalleled modernity. I just to, to be able to to literally walk into a concentration camp willingly after after fighting for years for the church and, and in some ways against the church when it was getting it wrong mm -hmm. in terms of, of Nazi Germany. Um, he's always been an inspiring person. And Bonhoeffer catches some flack for being a quote unquote postmodernist, which I think is a little unfair. Uh, you know, he was sitting in a, in a concentration camp writing to a friend, expressing his thoughts and doubts and, and speculations. And I'm not sure he would have written something to build doctrine on that would classify as postmodern or morally relevant, you know, relativist. relativist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I actually respect that he had the humility to think that maybe he didn't know everything and maybe it wasn't a matter of getting it all right. Uh, not that getting it right isn't important. I, I don't want that to be misconstrued either, but right. I, th I think he had the humility to say like, you know, what if, you know, we look at this a little bit differently and he just had some, some of that writing. I'm not even, I don't even feel good about reading it sometimes because it seems extremely personal and not something he meant to be put out there. But um, mm. I, I just thought that he was a, I just think he, he was a fascinating person who loved the Lord uh, to the, to the point of death. Yeah. And, um, yeah. He had some amazing insights. Wow. Yeah. Well, he was, he, his stuff is so, so wonderful to read. And like you said, mm -hmm. it's just filled with depth. Uh, very personal as well. It's, it's really great. Now, what final word of encouragement do you have for, for the artists out there in all the different areas uh, that are listening? Uh, I, I don't know if I'm qualified to provide anything <laughs> like that, but I, I think I think just knowing that he is there with you. If you're if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you know, he he's there, he's accessible to you. He is a loving father. And me as a Catholic, this is something I have to remind myself often. We, we love feeling guilty, Catholics. Um, you know, so knowing that he's not the angry tyrant father, he's the loving father who, who's there to help you is, is for me really encouraging. Mm. And, and just knowing that it's, it's not going to be a written exam at the pearly gates. It's, it's about your relationship with him. Not that we yeah. shouldn't be trying to get it right. Not that we shouldn't be diligent in our study of scripture but being humble enough to not have all the answers and be comfortable with that is something I'm working on. I find mm -hmm. encouraging as I'm starting to get more there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic, Joe. It's fantastic. How can we pray for you? I appreciate that. I, I mean, I'm so blessed. I'm just in a great season right now with, with our daughter being three. It's been so much fun. I guess just always, if, if anybody has time to throw a prayer up there for me, I appreciate it. But to, that me and my family that we're, we're wise with the time and the resources that God has blessed us with and that we're using them ultimately to glorify him. Super. That is excellent. Well, now disciples, we know we can pray for Joe. That's excellent. Now, how can we keep in touch with you, Joe? 
That's tough. Um, LinkedIn is probably best. The Anno oh. Domini stuff is like how I get off the computer. Um, I check the emails for that periodically, but I'm not having, I, I don't typically have long conversations with that, but LinkedIn's a great place to kind of follow. If you're, if you're trying to get in touch or follow me, LinkedIn's probably the best one. I, I try to keep oh. the other social media stuff to a minimum. Okay. What's, uh, what's your, uh, your handle on that? On your page? Uh, It'd just be my name. If you search Joseph okay. Fioramonti on LinkedIn, um, I think there's two or three of us out there in the world, but mine's pretty easy to find because of the, the academic and the, and the business stuff. Mm, okay, super. Well, Joe, thank you so much. I am, I, you know, I've been looking forward to getting a chance to visit with you and to just hear your, you know, more of your story. And uh, you've doing, I think you're just doing some fantastic things here. So thank you for taking the time uh, to share everything you did with us. Uh, really fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation and I, I've enjoyed listening to the podcast too and getting to know you and some of the people you've been interviewing. It's been a lot of fun. And just one more thing, nobody out there wear burlap sackcloth. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've got that now. We, that's a good way to close the show out. <laughs> Boy, that's great. Hey, listeners, thank you for listening to the podcast. We appreciate it so much. Now, remember, you all these things that Joe has shared, boy, the Lord's been ministering through him. You know there's somebody who needs to hear that. So pass that along. Share the podcast with others. Uh, if you get a chance, leave a review for it as well. That'll just help people find it. So the Lord, we just want the Lord to minister to everybody out there that that, that needs to hear from Him, which is you know everybody. You can keep in touch. Keep in touch with me on Instagram or on Gab at the Creator's Calling. The music on the podcast is by Chris Matson, and you can keep in touch with him on uh, in, on YouTube at Chris Matson Worship. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode. And please join me next time as together we follow Jesus and listen for the Creator's Calling. Bye for now.